We're in Romans 8 this morning. Meet me there. Romans 8. We're going to start in verse 14. So I'll meet you there in just a second. Uh, Pastor Ben preached the three verses after what I'm preaching this morning. He, he preached 26 through 28. And I told him before I left, I said, make sure you cover this because in that three-verse section is the most misused verse in all of Scripture. And I love what he did with the coffee mug. He said the coffee mug verse. It's the verse that most people have on their coffee mug. Uh, And we know that God works together for the good of those who love him. All things work together for the good. And so people misquote that all the time and and say, well, everything's going to work out for the good. And, And everything's good. Everything's great. No, you know, sometimes things are awful. And some things are very horrible. And that's why Ben said last week, and he's right on, Sometimes God is talking about what's going to happen in the future. We know we have a future blessed coming, right? We know that these things that are hard now are temporary. So God is working together for the good of those who love him. It's not that everything's good. Sometimes things are just really bad. Even in those bad things, God blesses us, helps us, walks with us, but we suffer temporarily. You're going to see that in these verses. He was kind of hamstrung a little bit because these verses set up that verse about how The future, looking forward, God makes a promise to us. So in these verses that we're in today, Romans 8, 14 through 25, the big idea is adopted. Everybody say adopted. Identity and inheritance. Those are the two issues I want to bring up out of this passage today. Identity and inheritance. I want to say before I even read the text today, I have was never adopted, and I have not adopted anybody. And so I am coming at this with a little bit of a a deficit. If you have been adopted in your lifetime, you will hear this and feel this way differently than I would. If you've adopted a child and brought him into your home, you're going to feel and understand this in a way I cannot understand it. It doesn't mean that I can't talk about it. Um, I also didn't die on a cross, but I talk about that a lot, don't I? All right, And so I'm going to talk about adoption today and how the Scripture makes a beautiful, beautiful picture for all of us to understand. Uh, but if you've never gone through adoption, this might not hit you in the same way. But hopefully, um, I would have loved to have somebody come and share their adoption story, but for lack of time, we can't do that. Let me read verses 14 through 25. Follow me as I just read it. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. That's the first time this thing has been brought up, this whole child of God thing and this whole sonship thing. This is a new thought because we've been talking a lot about sin and, and, and the, the suffering of that and the problems of that. And we talked about Jesus as the answer for that. But now we're hearing that when we receive salvation, remember two weeks ago, we received the spirit. Remember God unzips us, gives us the Holy Spirit, zips us back up. And we as believers have this Holy Spirit. Well, now Paul goes one step further because of that spirit that God gave you, you are adopted. Everybody say adopted. That's a new thought. And then he says, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope 
that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently for it. May God add his blessing to the reading of Scripture. Let's pray together. Can you pray with me? Would you pray this prayer? God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, may you be glorified. May everyone hearing this be edified and may Satan be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of points I want to make before we uh, go to the PowerPoint and look through this uh, verse by verse. I'll go through verse by verse here first. Uh, Again, we we learn that we are now adopted. We, We learn that there's a new name we cry out, Abba, Father. You've probably heard this a thousand times, but that is a very personal greeting. It's kind of a it's almost like dad or daddy, and we cry out, dad, and I'm going to talk about that a little later, but it's something new that we have, this, this father-son relationship, and by the way, I probably ought to back out a little bit and say, if you had a bad relationship with your father, it's also hard to understand these kind of passages. If you had a horrible situation, maybe abusive situation, and, and, and it's hard to look at this and say, I don't want to cry daddy. I, I, I never could cry out to my dad here on this earth. Well, understand that when God talks about himself as the father, he's the perfect example of a father. The father you wish you had had, the father you wanted to have, the father you want to be if you're a father today, the best possible version of dad. That's what's here is Abba father. And then there's a beautiful verse 16, the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So I'd ask you as Christians, I mean, does God tell you that you're saved? Uh, quite often, students will come to me and they're not sure they're saved. And I bring them to this verse and it says that his spirit will give testimony to your spirit that you're a child of God. If you don't have that confidence, take care of that today. And, and ask him to save you and know that is, is done in your heart. But his spirit should be bearing witness to your spirit. Not just that you're saved, but you're his child. And then it says we're heirs. Not only heirs of God, but co-heirs with Christ. Have you ever thought about that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But now we've been adopted. We're God's children. Brother Jesus. <laughs> we're, we're co-heirs with Christ. I don't think we comprehend how, how deeply meaningful that is. That we're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything Jesus Christ has in his father, it's now ours. And that's a huge deal co-heirs with Christ. And then um, it says if, there's that if word again, everybody say if. Oh, that's that little big word right there. If we share in the sufferings in order that we share in his glory. Then he goes into this whole thing, verses 18 through 21, uh, about the earth groaning. The earth, by the way, was subject to sin too, right? Remember when Adam and Eve sinned, not only immediately did we begin to die as people, sin entered the world and we you know, not immediate death, but we, we slowly are decaying, right? We're dying. 
Um, sin had that curse on us. That's where cancer comes from. That's where all these terrible things come from that we deal with. Alzheimer's and anything else you can imagine. Our bodies are decaying. And we look forward to that future time when there is no more disease, right? No more sorrow, no more pain. Well, the Bible is saying that the earth is groaning too. Remember how all of a sudden there came weeds in the garden? Remember back in the, the creation story? Because sin entered the world, all of a sudden there's thorns and thistles and it's a pain to work out. In the, Ron, you do the garden. I'm just going to talk to you today. These people are not with me. You, you and I are going to have a conversation. You work the garden. I've seen you do stuff out there. And, and, and it, it, it's work. I know it's effort. It takes time. Why? Because if you don't stay on top of it, it goes to pot, right? It just messes up. You got a weed and oh man, we try to garden and then we go away on vacation, come back and it's a mess. I'm like, how did that happen when nobody was home? Well, the creation is groaning like we're groaning. Creation's like, come back Jesus now because it's wanting to be made new, just like we want to be made new. That's what 18 through 21 is all about. And then 22 talks about uh, we, we eagerly wait now, look at verse 23 with me. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. Right away, you should be raising your hand saying, wait a second. Early in verse 14, it said we are adopted. We've been adopted. Now we're waiting for adoption. That's what I want you to get today. It's the both now and not yet. Everybody say now. Now say not yet. I find with God there's always a both hand. And this passage is another one of those beautiful both hand. This adoption we have is both now and not yet. And so this passage brings up both of those. So let me walk through it with you real quick, make some quick points and we'll be done. Our adoption changes two things. What we just heard in this passage changes two things. Number one, it changes our identity. Your identity is who God says you are. And if you are saved, you are now a child of God. And we're talking about right now. Everybody say now. You don't have to wait for that. It's official. It's, it's like the documents have been signed and legally we've been made children of God. You don't have to wait for that. We live in the fact that we are God's children. And we are his. Co-heirs with Christ. Everybody, that's a good thing. However, let's look at it. Adoption changes our legal status. Remember, before, before you came to Christ, you were dead in your sins. Remember, there's no life, no spiritual life. You have to be born again spiritually. And so now, all of a sudden, our legal status has changed. We're no longer slaves, the Bible says, at, at, after verse 15. Because of this, we've been bought by Christ, his, his death on the cross and his resurrection. So we're children of God. So we're no longer slaves. That's why that song is true. I'm no longer a slave to fear. They got that right out of this passage in Romans. You're not a slave any longer. You're a child of God. You talk about an upgrade. Amen. You ever get upgraded anybody? You ever go into the hotel? Yeah, I know you do. Mark, Mark travels all over the world, and he's good at it. He asks for the upgrade. He knows how to do it, you know, and they'll give him his upgrade. He stays at so many hotels. But have you ever been in a hotel, and they're like, oh, you know what? You've stayed with us so many times before. You know what? We've got a special room for you, and they put you in the suite. Have it ever happened to you? Oh, is it sweet to be in the suite? They don't need all that space and all the fancy things, but it's nice. Upgrades are nice. 
Julie and I were blessed to, to fly to Hawaii. We got to fly first class. Never flew first class in my life. First class is everything you think it is. It's incredible. I mean, it's just a whole nother planet. I didn't know it was that way. I mean, there's this huge line of people at Detroit waiting to get on. The, and then there's a little line and it's for first class customers. And we got to walk right up. You're just kind of waving at the people. <laughs> the upgrade is nice. Everything's nice about that. This is the best upgrade in the world. From slave to child of God himself. You're not subject to being a slave anymore. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer filled with fear. See, when you were not God's child, you're just filled with fear. What's tomorrow going to bring? I'm on my own. Nobody's coming to help me. Nobody's coming to save me. I've got to do this all by myself. You're a slave and you have nothing but fear. But all of a sudden, our legal status has changed. None of this is true anymore. And adoption changes our spirit. That should change you. That absolutely should change you that you've got this upgrade now and you're not a slave. You're not subject to fear. Your spirit should bear witness. His spirit should bear witness with your spirit. You're a child of God. I don't need to be afraid of that anymore. I've got a future. I've got a hope. He's with me. With. He's with me. I'm never alone. Your spirit. We're going to talk more about that spirit. It's not just externally adopted through court. It's something more than that. It's unconditioned love and accepted by dad. Now, one thing I do know about adoption, for a child who's been adopted, maybe they've been brought from Russia or Ukraine or from um, some foreign country, and, and they come and you finally go through that whole long process, and you get that child here. And after a year of that child living in your home, that child sees you as mom and daddy, mommy and daddy. And if, if at any point that child at four years old starts feeling afraid, like, what if they're going to leave me? I don't know. Am I really adopted? Am I really theirs? No adopted child that i ever known has ever said, can I see the papers again? Can we just go take a look at the legal papers so I can make sure that you signed in the right spot and the court signed and it's been punctured? And no, the paperwork isn't what they want to know. What they want to know is mom and dad love me. Is mom and dad coming to wrap their arms around me and are they here for me? And it's that unconditional love and acceptance that makes that child feel like a child. Even though legally they are a child, they begin to feel like a child. That's important. That's the spirit aspect of this. So what does that change? Before we get to point two, what's the application for our new identity? Number one, individually we should live with confidence as sons and daughters of our heavenly father. Are you walking around this planet realizing this is temporary and that you've got a heavenly home and you've got a heavenly father and that's the reality you're living in? You know, it's easier to roll with the flow when you, you realize that that's just temporary. That's just temporary. That's the first application. In the church, we must find ways to love each other, take care of one another, and serve one another. Why? We're all God's children. Look to your left. Look to your right. Those peoples, they're your literal family in Jesus Christ. They're your brothers and sisters. Take care of them. Love them. I, I told you earlier, we're co-heirs with Christ. You'll be like, I'm Jesus' brother? Well, guess what? Be nice to his brothers and sisters too. Because look around you. We're one family, one body in Christ, co-heirs with Christ. Love your brothers. Why are we doing this crazy gift exchange? So that you can get to know one another better. We're family. 
families do gift exchanges, right? We at Oakwood are going to do a gift exchange with one another because it just shows our love and we get to learn how to care. I hope this helps you uh, do this very thing. Care, love, and serve one another. Outside of the church, we love people even when they're not like us. Why? Because you know what? We were once slaves and living in fear. So we should look out and see people that are slaves and living in fear and want them to be adopted too. <laughs> Come into the family. There's room. We've got, we've got room. Come into the God's family. And we ought to tell them the story and love them, even though they're not like us. I don't understand why Christians had this us-against-them mentality. I know the world's rough and people can be awful, but they need Jesus. And, and they can be like you and me, adopted. Adopted in. So that's how we ought to, it ought to change us individually. It ought to change us as we do church. It ought to change how we see people outside of the church. We. Okay, I'm struggling with you guys this morning a lot, so I'm going to make you stand. Stand with me. I've done this so many times, we're going to do it again today. We're going to go through the I am's, because I think an identity is important. You're going to stand, and you're going to repeat after me. I'm going to say I am, and then I'm going to give you some things that we are because of we're children of God. You repeat them back. Let's try it. Child of God. I am part of the true vine. I am Christ's friend. I am joint heirs with Christ. A saint. God's handiwork, God's workmanship, born anew in Jesus, fellow citizen in heaven, righteous and holy, a son of light, an enemy of Satan, redeemed, bought with a price, valuable to God, reconciled, made clean. Saved by Jesus, born again, a new creation, Christ's possession, in Christ, complete in Christ, lacking nothing, free indeed, part of the body, a bold witness, a minister of the gospel. A member of the royal priesthood. Oh, sorry, I, I muffed that. Member of the royal priesthood. Loved. Chosen. Ambassador. Strong in the Lord. I am joy. Peace. Patience. Kind. Good. Full of faith. Gentle. Self-controlled. I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. I am, not the great I am, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's who you are in Jesus. You can have a seat. Every time I do that, people want the list, so I have a copy here if anybody wants to take that list home. It's also on our website, I am. There's so many things. I actually just chose those out of the whole list of who you are because you're adopted in Christ. That's who we are. We are changed. Our identity is changed. We also have an inheritance. And and that gets exciting. We're heirs with Christ. We're heirs of God. The minute we became his child, we are going to receive something. That's why we've got the now and the not yet. Everybody say now. Now you've been officially adopted on paper. You're his child. 
But it's not yet that he hasn't come to claim you yet. So we're his children, but he doesn't have us yet. We're not in his possession. He possesses, but you know what I'm saying. We're here. Everybody say we're here. So it's not yet. He hasn't come and taken us yet. We're still subject to temporary suffering. That's why it says, if indeed you suffer with Christ for this time and suffer pain temporarily, we are subject to temporary suffering. We must endure temporary pain. Why? We're adopted. Daddy hasn't come and got us yet. <laughs> and so we might have those feelings every once in a while that I'm alone. Don't let that overwhelm you. You have a heavenly father. The adoption has been signed in blood. Jesus did everything it took. He saved you. You're his child. You belong to God. But we're still here. Do you see how this is unfolding? A couple of things about that you need to know today. The hope of a promised return. The earth groans to be made new. We groan to be made new. And yet we still are here. So, knowing that I didn't adopt any children, knowing that I wasn't adopted myself, I've talked to lots of people. Uh, Jeremy Lindsley at Camp Barakel, they adopted a child from uh, Detroit. And... Uh, Simeon is his name. That's a cool story. I've asked Jeremy several times to talk to me about adoption and what it's like. And then I also have a friend who's a camp director in Indiana, and he spent some good time telling me about his journey. He actually went overseas. And and if you adopt a child here in the States, it's a different process. It's still grueling and hard. But if you adopt a child from Russia, it's a nightmare. Uh, From what I've learned, and I want to give you the name of this person uh, Trevor Atwood, he's the pastor at Summit Church in North Carolina. I read his story and it moved me. And I, I'm using his, his personal story today. Uh, because he actually adopted two children. One from Russia and one from Ethiopia. To adopt a child in Russia, they had to uh, do all the paperwork. And then they actually have to fly to Russia to the orphanage. And they get to spend three days with their child. Their child in Russia, the child's name was Micah. So when they got to Russia, they had three days. But when they got there, Micah was covered in scars, bed sores, and he never cried for three days. And he started to think as a dad, he thought, this is wonderful. This child doesn't cry until he realized the reason why Micah doesn't cry is because he would probably cried for months and nobody came. And if you're a baby and you cry and cry and cry and nobody comes, eventually you realize nobody's coming. So after three days of being there, he realized that Micah didn't cry because Michael had no hope. Micah, had a child, had decided nobody's coming. So for three days, they hugged Micah, put gloves on him so he wouldn't scratch his bug bites and his bed sores. And they sang to him and they told him stories and they would tell him stories about how he was going to come from Russia. He's going to come home with them and he was going to eat their food and he was going to learn how to play football and he was going to learn how it is to to live in America as a child and all these things they would tell him and they would tell him stories and try to, and Micah, you know, Micah couldn't comprehend. He couldn't even understand the language, Micah, but they would try to get him to understand how great it was going to be. Then after three days, they had to go back to America without Micah. This is how you do it for an adoption. And they had to come home and wait for a month before they could go and officially bring him home. Can you imagine that? Adopting a child, the paperwork's completed, 
then you got to leave. Trevor said that he and his wife, the day they had to go, they just hugged Micah and said, we love you. You're our child, and we're coming back to get you. We promise. And they left him a, a little uh, photo album of, of mom and dad and the brothers and sisters, and then a little stuffed elephant that they actually uh, kept on them at night, and they rubbed this elephant on so it would smell like them. And so he would even have the scent of them. And they gave all this stuff to Micah, and they said, Don't, we're coming back. Don't forget about us. We love you. And then they... The, the worker had to take Micah out of their arms and in tears they had to leave and get on a plane and come home for a month hoping Micah wouldn't forget them, hoping Micah would you know, know that he was theirs. And then they finally got to get on a plane and come back and take him home. Does that sound familiar to you? What I find amazing about these adoptions, international adoptions, is exactly the story God is telling us. You see, God bought you with the price. He made you his child. The documents are signed, friends. We are legally children of God. And he said to us, I'm coming back. I've got to go now, but I am coming again to claim you as my own. See, we've been adopted, and it's now and not yet. So you're a child of God, and he's still going to come and get you. Have you looked at the photo album lately and reminded yourself who he is? Have you got the scent of God? How do you get that? Through the family of God. We're all brothers and sisters in the same boat. We're all here, not there. And so we're all waiting for that time he's coming back. So the scent should be on us and around us. That's who God is. It's the promise, the hope of a promised return. John 14, 18. Is it on the screen? I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's in the Bible. God says, I will not leave you as orphans. Can you imagine Trevor and his wife looking at Micah, the kid who can't understand what's happening? We're coming back. We're not going to leave you in this orphanage. You're going to come home with us. And that's what God says. I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. Don't make promises to Micah that you're not going to keep. And Jesus said, don't make promises to the church that you're not going to. I'm coming back for you. We have a hope of a promised return. And then there's the hope of a persistent love. That's the story of Isaac. This family not only went to Russia and adopted Micah, then they went through the process all over again in Ethiopia and adopted Isaac. Isaac was a different story. When they got to the orphanage uh, in Ethiopia, um, they saw Isaac and he was sitting in the lap of a worker eating mushed beans. That's what he had to eat, mushed beans. And they were so excited to grab Isaac. They went to take Isaac and he screamed. He was not like Micah. He screamed. He let them know, I do not want you to take me. How dare you? Don't get in the way. I've got mushed beans. Isaac wanted nothing but his mushed beans, and he didn't want them from these strangers. He wanted the worker to do it. He knew the worker that worked there. And so as hard as they tried for three days, Isaac wouldn't give him the time of day. He's like, I don't know you, but I got my mushed beans, and I want my mushed beans. Don't mess it up. He'd kind of relegated himself that the best thing in life as an orphan was mushed beans and some hired worker. So they tried and they tried and they tried, but they couldn't convince Isaac that what they had for him was going to be so much better. It took a lot of time for Isaac. They had to play games and, and get him to soften up and lighten up and, 
and accept them and let them. And it just took time. But over time, they showed Isaac that they loved him and that their love wasn't going to be temporary, that they were going to stay there. They were going to stick with it. They were always going to be his parents. And so they persisted in loving him. Even though he was obstinate, even though he was hard, they persisted to, oh, to love. Ezekiel 16, 3-6 talks about this. God is so much like this. I'm only going to read 3-6. through six. You can read the rest of it for yourself. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to Jerusalem. Your ancestry and birth were in the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother was a Hittite. On the day you were born, your cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt and wrapped in clothes. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field. For on the day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by and I saw you kicking about in your blood. As you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. This is a beautiful picture, even though it's really ugly. Can you imagine this child is left? He's orphaned. He's orphaned and he's, he's laying in this field. No hope, no help. And God comes by and says, I'm going to bring you life. But then I dare you, I can't do it in church, but I dare you to read the rest of this passage. It's graphic. Israel kicked and screamed against God. (laughs) They're like Isaac. Hey, who are you? You're ruining, I got mushed beans. Don't mess up my mushed beans. Kind of sound like those Israelites leaving Egypt. When we were in Egypt, we had onions to eat. God's like, I took you out of slavery and now you're complaining that you don't have your mushed beans? Oh, we're like Isaac sometimes. We don't understand, man. When we're orphaned and all alone and we're just content with the here and now. See, some of us have learned to adapt to life in the orphanage because that's here and now. And we're doing it the best we can. We found the nicest worker and, and we got maybe the best mushed beans and we're content. This is as good as it gets, right? Uh, you know, what, the beer commercials doesn't get better than this. So what is, what is that beer commercial? As good as it gets, I think is what they say. As good as it gets. Really? It's not. Nothing here is as good as it gets. Are you with me? There is nothing here. This is the orphanage. We've been adopted. We've got a new identity. But God's coming. And he's going to take us from here. And guess what? There's better than mush beans. There's better life than a paid hired worker to watch over us. It's better than laying in a field all bloody and nobody cleaned me up. No, God comes by and he says one word, live. And if you want life and life to its full, then you'll have it as a child of God. That's life. So what's the conclusion today? When we truly believe the gospel that we have been adopted by God into his family, when we were completely helpless and that we have a new identity as his children, we will love God our Father more passionately and each other more deeply. So I end this morning with the Abba. What's this Abba cry? I've heard preachers say, it's it's an excited daddy. The word does mean daddy or dad. But from what I see in this passage, I understand it as more of an Abba cry of desperation. 
It's not, daddy's home from work. That's a good, I love that illustration. That's the one most pastors use. When daddy comes home from work, I mean, it, I, I remember those days. I don't, well, Jax kind of does now. Jax meets me at the door with his tail a wagon, you know, all excited for like the first 10 seconds, you know, because whoever comes home, it doesn't matter. You guys come on Thursday nights. You're the best thing ever, right? When new people walk into the house, yay! I get that every day I come home from Jax. But when the kids were little, daddy's home. And when you come in and their arms are up and they just want to get picked, that's beautiful. But that's not the picture here. If you read this whole passage, you realize it's a child in an orphanage that's sick of mush beans that's saying this orphanage stinks. (laughs) This is awful. I'm desperate. This is not daddy's home. This is daddy, come get me. Daddy, it hurts. Daddy, save me. The Abba cry is a cry of desperation. And that's what I think the Bible's letting you know. You've got a father. You can cry out to him in the desperation and he hears you. And he'll say to you, I'm coming. I'm coming. Just a little while longer, I'm coming for you. So we wait. And the temporary sufferings that Christ suffered while he was here, we have to live in the orphanage knowing that we're children of the king. (laughs) waiting for him to come and claim us and take us home. Next time you're suffering, maybe that medical report is what you were afraid of, it's okay to cry out to dad in desperation. Dad, please, save me. I'm going to ask the team to come up. I want to close this by singing, oh, praise the name again, because we need to be praising the name of the Lord our God, our Father, We need to be praying for him to come and rescue us. I pray that you know him today. Would you stand with us as we sing this out? I'll close in prayer. Father, we pray. Help us to know who you are and help us to know who we are. Help us to know we're children of the King, adopted, full heirs and yet waiting, both, both now and not yet. God, help us to just cast our mind to you. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.